Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. What's up? Good evening. Come on, it's Christmas time. Who's excited for church? Woo! If we haven't met, my name is Ali. Uh, my wife and I, like we said, we started this church four years ago with a simple dream. We wanted to create a place where not only Christians could grow in their faith, listen, unchurched people could explore their faith. So if you're new to church, welcome. You are VIP at Center Set. And uh, we are in the conclusion of a collection of talks called Bold Christians. And this has been the most challenging collection of talks I've preached. I- I- I've been preaching hard messages, challenging messages, messages where I challenge you, messages where I teach you. And if you notice today, I'm holding my preaching mic. So I'm going to bring some fire. If you're part of the dream team, you got to help me preach today. If, you, if, you, if you're part of the dream team, make some noise. And, and, the, and the purpose behind today is really to sum up this collection of talks and inspire you so that you leave this room different. Because more than any other season of our church, we need some bold Christians in our church that aren't afraid anymore, that you don't have, you're not shy anymore, you're not ashamed of Jesus. Jesus says you are the light and salt of the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look different today. You look shiny today. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, that guy's shiny, but homie, you're salty. You're salty. Jesus told me you're salty. Jesus says, we're supposed to be a a, a city on a hill in a lamp on on top of a table. You don't hide the light. You got to shine it. God wants to shine through you in a very dark world. And we're going to read Daniel chapter 3. I preached it two weeks ago. I'm going to preach a different kind of sermon today. So I, I need some help. If you believe that, someone say amen. amen. Daniel chapter 3, starting at verse 12. I preached 1 through 11 last time. I preached 12 through 20. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the prophets of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who paid no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you had set up. Furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my God or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, many theologians believe this is a 90-foot statue of himself. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zyre, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good, but if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately in the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. He will deliver us from your majesty's hands, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. The Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers, they look like 49ers, even though he lost, in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. I want to spend the next 30 minutes preaching around this idea, bold faith. From the example of Daniel, we need bold faith now more than ever before. You guys can bow your heads and close your eyes. We need some prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this faith community. God, thank you so much for the word.
of God that's living and active. God, thank you for these stories that are in there, not just so their bedtime stories or children's stories. They're stories of faith for us, Jesus. They're, they're inspirational stories of what you want to do in our lives, Jesus. We don't want to just come and hear a talk. We want to be transformed. We want to look and act different. We want to love differently. We want to speak differently. We want to live differently. We came in one way, God, but we want to leave another. God, I pray for every person in this, who can hear the sound of my voice that you would convict them. You would challenge them. That they need to walk out of this room with some bold faith. And if you believe it, everybody said? Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Come on, if you love Jesus, can you make some noise? Come on. Need some audience participation. Show of hands. How many of you love movies? Come on, any movie lovers tonight? Okay. Now, I'm going to increase the intensity of the question. How many of you, if I ask you what your hobby was, some of you would say golf, some of you would say crochet, some of you would say Instagram or, or eating. How many of you, your hobby, listen, is watching movies? Where are the fanatics at tonight? Any, okay, two, maybe one or two people. I see one in the back. Okay, I love movies so much. One of my first jobs was Blockbuster. Come on. Rest in peace, Blockbuster. If you're under the age of 30, you think I'm praying in tongues. It was a store back in the day. And before Santanero was the place to be on Friday nights, Blockbuster on Friday nights was the best place to be. I remember as a 10-year-old, my mom would drive us to Blockbuster on Friday nights, and we would spend an hour walking through. And this is before YouTube, before trailers. You know how you pick the movie? You look at the cover, and then you'd read the back. It's crazy. I was over at a friend's house in Dallas this last month, and he goes, Siri, find me a drama. I'm like, what is this? You millennials know nothing of suffering. I have to spend half an hour on YouTube watching YouTube trailers before I pick a movie. Because I got to know. I'm not going to just watch a movie. This generation is so spoiled. We used to have to drive half an hour to Blockbuster or rent a movie. You just sit on your couch and work your thumbs crazy. But I love movies because it, they, they take you to another world. You can leave the pain of today and you can enter a fantasy world. But I love, and not just the, the songs, but, the, but the, the theme of songs, right? Like I remember growing up in the fourth grade, fifth grade, and sixth grade. It was Little Mermaid, come on, Lion King, and Prince Ali Aladdin, come on. And yes, I suffered through all of sixth grade hearing all of you ratchet people singing, Prince Ali, family, is he, Ali, I hate that song. <laughs> but I think if anyone calls this church home, you are commanded to memorize it. <laughs> it's a sign of good faith. And isn't it funny that life now imitates art? I married Prince Yasmin, and God didn't give me one Apu, he gave me two of them. Come on. <laughs> two of them. It's good. But in every good movie, there's always a defining moment. There's always a line when the people's backs are against the wall. There's a pinnacle of pressure. And they say something that you never forget. Remember the, the, the movie Rocky? One of my favorite movies. Apollo Creed is the heavyweight champion of the world. And Rocky Balboa, played by Sylvester Stallone, all he wants to do is go 15 rounds. His goal is not even to win. It's not just to lose. And at the end of the movie, his face is all bloody. He goes, yo, Adrian! And he's screaming for his girl. How about the movie Gladiator? I remember watching this movie in the theaters, and I remember wanting to rip my shirt off when he's like, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, loyal servant to the true king, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, a husband to a murdered wife, and I will get my revenge, and this time or the next, 
oh my gosh, every time I hear that line, I want to like jump up and like go to war. But how about comedies? I think the greatest comedy ever written, theologians think this to be true, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. And my favorite scene in that movie is when Harry and Lloyd drive 2,000 miles across the country for Mary Swanson to give her a suitcase. And he's in love with this girl. He says, Mary, break it to me. I like you. I like you a lot, right? <laughs> what of our chances? Just hit me with it. One in a hundred? She goes, no, Lloyd. One in a million. <laughs> so you saying there's a chance. Come on! How many nerds? Star Wars, remember? Empire Strikes Back, Darth Vader versus uh, Luke Skywalker. He cuts his hand off. He goes, Luke, <laughs> did Obi-Wan tell you about your father? He goes, you killed him! He goes, no, Luke, I am your father. In every movie, there's a defining line that makes that movie that movie. And the same is true in history. Every leader, every general, every civil rights activist, there is a moment in time where the pressure is on them, and their most famous words are not in days of comfort, are in days of pressure. World War II, I'm a World War II buff. One of my favorite heroes in real life is a guy named Winston Churchill. He was the outcast in his, in his society. He was always last picked in elementary school. He was ridiculed in college, but this man, the reason we're America today and not Germany is because of this dude. Because in World War II, Germany was sweeping across Europe, and they had the only country standing before America entered the war was London, England. Germany's bombing them, and when the pressure's on, he gets on the radio, and he says his most famous words, we will never, 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 never give up. His most famous words are in his darkest hour. What about Dr. Martin Luther King, the pastor turned uh, evangelist, turned civil rights activist? You know, what most people don't know is every time he marched, he would spend an hour in church praying before protesting. May we never lose the order. And his life was threatened People around him were telling him, someone's going to kill you. Don't go out in public. And when the pressure for his death was at its greatest, he marches in, at that time, was the largest civil rights march in, in American history. Goes to Washington, D.C., and he preaches, I have a dream. He even says, I, I, I'm not afraid of death. I've been to the mountaintop. When death was at his door, he gave his most famous words. What about Jesus, our Lord and Savior? When he was on a cross, his friends abandoned him. Even God the Father turned from Jesus. And his time when he felt the most pressure, he was the most alone, he issued, it is finished. My question for you today is, when life squeezes you, your faith, what comes out? What comes out? You might want to write that question down and ponder it this week. When life squeezes your faith, what comes out? Because that's the real version of who you are. Because anyone can declare the goodness of God when the days are good. But when your back's against the wall, that's the real you. I love Daniel chapter 3. If you've been new to us and you don't know the story, let me kind of recap. If Israel's a country, they are following model gods on other Instagram accounts. They're liking the pictures. They're sliding into the DM. They are flirting with other gods. And God is is upset. He's a jealous guy. He loves Israel. He's like, bro, we need to call time out. You're flirting with other gods. You're cheating on me. I love you with an everlasting love. I'm not divorcing you, 
Lord, I'm breaking up with you. We're, we're having a separation for a season. And the moment that God pulled his hand from Israel, Babylon comes in. And our story begins with that war of Israel being defeated, Babylon coming in and destroying Israel and taking with them some, some slaves. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1, is a 13-year-old boy. He's forced to walk 700 miles to his new kingdom. Imagine the pressure this boy is going under. He's living in a godly country with godly parents, surrounded by godly people in a godly school, and now he's in a godless country, surrounded by godless people in a godless culture. And not only that, he, he, he goes under gender reassignment surgery. This man is all alone. This man is under pressure. People say, oh my gosh, Pastor Ali, Silicon Valley is so dark. You have no clue how dark Babylon was. This is not just the darkest country at that time. This is the most barbaric, darkest countries in human history. And God used, listen to me, a 13-year-old boy to influence an entire nation. He can use you to influence your boss. He used a 13-year-old boy to change human history. He can use you to influence Silicon Valley. Anytime people say, that God can't use us, the, the pressure's too big, you, you need to read your owner manual on what it looks like to be a missionary in a dark culture. This is our book. This is, how do you survive in a godless nation? Being a godly person, Daniel's our man. Daniel is our man. And what's so crazy about Daniel, he's 13, separated from his parents. He's not home anymore. This man has the favor and the blessing of God on his life. How did he, how do I get that favor? And often we disqualify ourselves from being used by God. We, we think I'm a woman, I'm not a man. I, I, I'm too, I'm not tall enough. I'm not, I'm not the right skin color. I, I didn't go to seminary. Daniel didn't have any of those things. See, favor is not found in where you are. Favor is found in who you are. It's in your character. See, Silicon Valley does not want you to surrender your faith. It wants you to compromise your faith. What made Daniel so powerful is he was unwilling, even as a 13-year-old boy, I, I'm not giving up my God. He had bold faith. Someone say bold faith. That's my heart for tonight. That's my goal tonight. My goal tonight is to challenge you to walk out of this room with bold faith that you can influence your boss, you can influence your neighbors. No matter how dark your family is, God can use you to bring revival and change. He can use you to, if he can use a 13-year-old boy, Come on, you can use some iPhone thumb masters in this room. It's the truth. Daniel's, at this point, he's probably 20 years old. He's gone to school for three years. He's been working for several years. And the king Nebuchadnezzar erects a 90-foot golden statue. He says, everyone must bow down and worship me. And if you don't, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. Daniel, look. let me read you his words because he's unwilling to bow down. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Even if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Imagine a 20-year-old dude in a country that's not even his. And he's standing up, not to the most powerful man in his country, the most powerful man in the world. And he says three things that are a perfect explanation of the gospel. Our God can save us. Our God will save us. But even if he doesn't, we're still not bowing down. Someone say, God can. Someone say, let out. Someone say, God can. Some of you have forgotten God can save you. God, God can save your marriage. 
God can give you that child that after the miscarriage. God can bring a spouse that you've been waiting on for years. God can give you that promotion that you've been begging God about. God can give you a house in a valley that seems unattainable. God can save your spouse. God can restore your relationship with your parents. God can. Someone say, God can. God can. You have forgotten the power of your God, though. God's arm is not too short. God's ear is not deaf to our cries. God can do the impossible. Let me read you some verses about the power of our God. Psalm 20, 33 says this, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their story hosts by the breath of his mouth. God does this, and the Milky Way is there. When you do that, that's called stank breath, okay? But when God does it, he makes the galaxies. You are not like God. You may not have the power to change anyone, but God does. God can. Someone say, God can. God can. Let me read you uh, this other, uh, Luke 12. It says, indeed, by the hairs of your head, all, the hairs of your head, not heard, all are numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Did you know God knows the number of hairs on your head? Who has time to count? Even you ladies who have fake eyelashes and the weave, he knows even when the hair is fake. <laughs> Our God knows. Someone say, God, God can. God can restore. God can heal. God can give you a job. God can give you a child. That's why we sang that song, He Ain't Done. It's a declaration of a prophecy of the promises of who God says he is. Someone say, God can. That's what Daniel's doing. My God can save me. But he doesn't stop there. He says, my God will save me. It's one thing to have the ability. It's another thing to be willing. My daughter, every night... She's the most, real, she's an infinite while loop with no break statement. If you're a nerd, you know what that means. She's relentless. Dad, can I have ice cream? It's 9 a.m. Dad, mom won't know. We have that kind of relationship. Your mom has a sixth sense. As long as she's within 10 miles, she'll feel it. No. Even though I'm able... I'm not willing. What you need to know is God's able and he's willing. Hebrews chapter 11 says this, verse 1. Now faith, someone say faith. faith. You need bold faith. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What are you hoping for tonight? What do you not see that, you're, that you have assurance of? See, it's one thing for God to be able. It's another thing for him to be willing. What, what the gospel means, let me explain to you what the go gospel means, good news. But before you have good news, listen, you need to have some bad news. Let me give you three basic truths of why it's bad news. Number one, God only lets perfect people into heaven. Only perfect people. See, I came out of a, a religion called Islam. Thank God I came out of it. God puts your good and bad on a scale. It means if you're 51% good, 49% bad, you win. Jesus is different. He doesn't do the law of averages. Because he's a holy God. Because he's a righteous God. He's different. He can't be near sin. He can't be near anything that's less than perfection. So with Jesus, it's 100% or you're not going. That's the first truth. The second truth which is even worse than the first truth, is everybody falls short. <laughs> Mother Teresa needs forgiveness just like Hitler. You can't get in on goodness. You can't get in on good works, which is why heaven is not filled with 
perfect people. Heaven is filled with forgiven people. And the third truth that you need to realize is that the wage of sin is death. If I, if I gave you a glass of water and dropped some poison in it, would you drink it? Of course not. In the same way, even the smallest amount of sin, even if Mother Teresa is the most righteous, the most faithful, the most godly person you know, she still needs forgiveness. And because of these three truths, God doesn't want his kids to die. So he becomes a man, and he dies in our place. Not only is God able, listen, he's willing. No one took Jesus' life. He laid it down. He wanted to. I know you got some street preachers on the corner saying, turn or burn, you know. I want to throw something at those guys. Because the Bible says God so loves. Someone say so love. He so loves you. He's got an Instagram with your pictures on it. And he's bragging about the angels about the day you're coming home. He so loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you enough, listen, to die for you. God, oh, he's God able. He's willing. But there's a third truth that Daniel preaches. Our God can save us. Our God will save us. But he says what I think is the dopest statement in the scriptures. Even if God doesn't. Even if God doesn't save us, we're still not bowing down. We're still not bowing down. My question for you tonight is, when, when do you behave when God doesn't? Do you behave when God doesn't? When God doesn't give you what you want, when God doesn't heal the marriage, when God doesn't break the addiction, when God doesn't give you the child, when he doesn't bring the spouse, when he doesn't give you the promotion, when he doesn't bring your father back, when he doesn't bring your wayward home, son home. Will you still behave even when God doesn't? That's the real measure of faith. Will you obey when God doesn't? That's what Daniel's saying. God's been good to me. He doesn't need to do another thing. He's always good. And even if he doesn't, even though I know he can, even though I know he's willing, even if he doesn't, I'm still not giving up. I'm still not going to obey you. One of my favorite stories is in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. I encourage you to read it. Ten lepers. These people in that culture were below homeless people. Because if you were homeless, you could at least go into the city and beg for food. Lepers were not even allowed in the city. Imagine how crazy, ragged your clothes would be. Imagine how long your beard. These are ratchet. If you saw the definition of ratchet, these, you'd see these dudes in the Bible. And there's ten of them, because misery always has company. And they're crying out to Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me. These men have no hope of marriage, no hope of having children, no hope of even having a job. And they're crying to Jesus, Lord, please, please have mercy on us. And Jesus says, walk to the city and you're going to be healed. And the Bible says that they're not healed in that moment, that when they turn and begin to walk by faith, because it requires bold faith that they're healed. But one comes back. And the Bible says that with a loud voice. I've been in the rooms where Elevations worships there. I've been in the room where Bethel's there. There's nothing more powerful than when a non-believer is worshiping God for the first time. Presence beats perfection. And this man, we never hear about his name again in the Bible. We never even know who he is or what he's doing. We don't know if he ever gets married. We don't know if he ever gets a job. We don't know if his life is restored. He says, I have nothing, Jesus, but I have everything because I have you. And even if you never give me those things, even if I'm still worshiping you, that's what Daniel's doing. 
He's saying, even if I die in the fiery furnace, God has been so good to me. He saved me. He rescued me. He died on a cross for me. I am never, even if I'm the only one to worship you, God, I still will. I will worship you, Jesus. That's, that's the heart of a bold Christian who has bold faith. I will obey. And even if no one else does, I still will. That's the, the resolve that you need to have. That's the, the inner calling, this inner unction. How did Daniel, this 20-year-old man, do it? I'm going to give you three things that Daniel had. Three things that Daniel had that you need on this journey. If you're going to have bold faith. First one is this. First one is this. Go to the next slide. Two, two more. Bold faith is not determined by your talents, but by your tribe. You better write that down. That's so good right there. Some of you are looking to your degree to, to go far in life. Some of you are looking to your, your, your paycheck. Some of you are looking for your, your, this zip code that you live in. Some of you are afraid because you don't think you have enough talents. It is your faith is elevated, not by your talents, but by your tribe. I was 15 years old. You was about late 90s. You got to understand, when we had beef in my day, we didn't make memes about you and, like, troll you online. But because we were suburban kids, listen, we listened to hip-hop. We just didn't live hip-hop. You know what I'm talking about? So we would do drive-bys with eggs. You know what I'm talking about? It's different. And we were the, I was a master egger and teepier, okay? Let me share with you some of the, my escapades. I would cover your house in toilet paper. Then where the amateur would leave, Ali Rui would show up. And I'd pull out the hose and I'd water everything down in the name of Jesus or Satan because I wasn't a Christian then. And when the thing broke apart, then and only then did I know my work was done. One time, I went with eight of my, there was a crew of high school friends that I had. And we, one of my friends had beef with another group. So we decided we're going to egg and teepee their house. Imagine it's Friday night, we're at Safeway, we're buying maybe 100 rolls of toilet paper, 50 eggs. The guy at the counter is giving me the craziest, he knows what we're doing. He should have called the cops, but he didn't. So imagine we're teeping this house, it's awesome, it's amazing, and then one of my friends does the unthinkable. He pulls out his keys and begins to key, key the cars. I'm like, bro, stop. This is like real damage. Like, the other stuff is just, like, a long time going to work. This is, like, real, like, this is, like, money, not just time. I was so terrified, I ran away. But I didn't call the cops. That Monday at school, guess who showed up? The cops. And immediately, I'm like, please arrest me, because if I go home, my mom's going to kill me. <laughs> she will beat you more than you will. Come on. I mean, you know, any tiger moms, Persian moms are saber-toothed tigers, if you know what I'm talking about. But my mom did something. That changed the trajectory of my life. It was the hardest decision I ever made, but she said, you can no longer hang out with those guys anymore. As a 15-year-old kid, I had to find a bunch of new friends. And the same is true with Daniel. I wrote down this way. The most important decision, the greatest choice you'll ever make is who you choose to do life with. The greatest choice you will ever make is who you choose to do life with. It's these decisions that determine if you get married and if you stay married. It's this decision right here that determines how you're going to raise your kids in the faith or outside the faith. It's this decision right here that says, I'm going to follow Jesus or I'm going to walk away from Jesus. And no one ever stops to evaluate, who do I want to do life with? Because there are so many choices you don't get to pick. You don't get to pick your parents. 
You don't get to pick your brothers. You don't get to pick your gender, your age, what year you're born, what city you're born in. But you get to pick your friends. And the people that you choose to do life with, those choices will determine the trajectory of your life. Not by your talents, but by your tribe. What I love about Daniel, Daniel's only 12 chapters long. The first six chapters, he talks about the history of Daniel, the history of Babylon, what happens with him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The last six chapters are all prophecy, all about the coming of Jesus. The key that I want you to get is every time Daniel talks about himself, he's always in a group. Daniel's never alone. My question for you is, who is your Shadrach? Who's your Abednego? You think Daniel's awesome all by himself? No, 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 no. You're missing the point. Daniel was awesome because he had a tribe. Because he was not elevated by his talents. He was elevated by his tribe. The, The book of Proverbs says it like this. Excuse moi. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. What's this saying is when you rub shoulders with people, they can sneeze on you, and they can give you stupid. That's what it's saying right there. Some of you, you're living stupid because you're walking with stupid people. Some of the most important decisions you can ever make is who you do life with. No one forced you to sit at that lunch table. No one forced you to call those people friends. You did. You choose your friends. And those decisions will be the greatest decision you will ever make. Isn't it funny that like when you hang out with someone long enough, you begin to talk like them? I, I love, I, I remember when Ethan first came to Center Set, he would say, noise, noise. <laughs> and then I remember one day I said noise. My mom's like, you ever say that again, you're moving out. I'm like, why am I saying noise? Because I started hanging out with Ethan. Isn't it funny when we hang out with people, we start wearing the things that they wear, you know? Like, oh my gosh, those are Vans? Those are like amazing. And then the next week, you're wearing those Vans. But it's not just the superficial things that they influence. It's also the spiritual things. When you're surrounded by people who don't want to walk away from God, you're not going to walk away from God. If you're in this room and you have a passionate relationship with Jesus, there are probably three people that you need to thank tonight that you're in this room because of them. Because of them. Because your faith is not determined by your talents. Your faith is determined by your tribe. And let me tell you, Daniel was not the only tr- the dude that followed this principle. Jesus, he had a dream team. People that served under his leadership, 72. We know at least 72. Why? Because in the book of Luke, chapter 10, he sent out them two by two, 72 of them. He, he served with 72. Listen, but he, he did leadership with 12. But he did friendship with three. Daniel had his tribe. Jesus had his tribe. Who's your tribe? My question, who's your tribe? You want to have bold faith? You cannot do it alone. You cannot do it alone. Point number two is, and and the last point is this. Why? Because this point right here. Commitment lasts longer in community. This room is too large to be your community. It needs to be Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Your community cannot be, your, your smallest group of friends that are pushing you can't be more than three. Jesus had three. Daniel, who who are your three? Point number two. Point number two. Bold faith is made in private, but discovered in public. Anybody love sports talk radio? I'm I'm an undisputed fan. Okay, crickets, thank you. (laughs) No one listens to Shannon Sharp and, okay, no, no, move on. Sports talk radio is awesome because they give you perspective about these athletes that you would never get alone. 
You can't read about it. They, they have been following these sports for 30 years. I remember this one time, the sports analyst said this one thing that was so powerful and it applies so directly to faith. He said, boxing champions are not made in the ring. They're discovered in the ring. They're made in the gym. Do you want to have faith like Daniel, where you're public, standing for God? It never happens in public first. You need to have private faith before you have public faith. It's made in private. It's discovered in public. And you can't skip the order. Let me do, let me do something. Can I get everyone in the room to stand? Everyone in the room to stand. Even if you're old, ask for Jesus' strength. Come on. Okay, can I get the four of you to remain standing? Can I get everyone to sit down? Everyone, just you four stay standing. In the back, you think how awkward this, would, this is. Everyone knows who's standing. Y'all can sit down now. We gotta see this image, this, the entire city's here. There's like two or 300,000 people and everyone is doing this. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are doing this. And everyone knows. How does Daniel have the bold faith to do that? It didn't, he wasn't made in public. His faith was made in private. See, when Daniel was 13 years old, he had to walk 700 miles from Babylon to Jerusalem. He's taken from his parents. He's taken from his Christian school. And he's put in a Babylonian school. He's given gender reassignment surgery. He's taken away from all the things he finds comfort. But you have to make the same choice. Are you to find your joy in your comfort or in your calling? And those two things cannot, don't mix. And Daniel, at the age of 13, he's told to eat this kind of bread, he's told to eat this kind of wine, and he's told to eat this kind of meat. And all of those things, if you study the, the Jewish law, were, were not only the wrong meat, they're dedicated and sacrificed to the wrong God. And Daniel says, even though I love fogo de chow, I'm not eating fogo de chow. And he goes to his boss and says, please, May I please eat the veggies that no one else wants to eat because vegetarians don't go to heaven. Come on. <laughs> he goes, I got a plan. Let me please eat the veggies for 10 days and let, let me be tested. If I'm not just as strong, not just as able as everybody else because he wants to, the Bible literally says he chose not to defile himself. You need to realize partial obedience is still disobedience. Way too many Christians say, Pastor Alex, I'm good in this area, but God doesn't care about that this area over here. The Bible literally says that partial obedience is full disobedience. It's not 95% holiness that God wants. He wants everything. He wants all of your heart, all of your life, all of your walk. And Daniel chooses, I don't, even though Daniel's surrounded by thousands of other Christians, and they're all bowing down, and they're all eating the meat, he says, I refuse to compromise. You need to realize this about your faith. Silicon Valley does not want you to walk away from Christianity. They want you to have a compromised Christianity, a loosey-goosey Christianity. Daniel refuses. Daniel refuses. And what's so crazy is that after 10 days of being a vegan, he's 10 times better than all the other... The Babylonians, 10 times better than all the other Christians. He is so good, he is now elevated as one of the chief advisors to the king. I was studying the book of Daniel. The influence that Daniel had on the Babylonians is crazy. Crazy. They, they did a study where 
where they literally had to discover how, how remember when Jesus was born and, and, and at his birth, none of the Pharisees came, none of the scribes came, none of the Jewish kings, the people that knew the scriptures, none of them showed up. You know who showed up? Who knows who showed up? The Magi. Who taught the Magi? To read the stars and it points to Jesus 600 years prior. Daniel taught them how to do that. Crazy that this man, this 13-year-old boy who's all alone, had such influence on his workforce that 600 years later they're still following his example. That's what God wants to do in your life. You aren't just driven, you're humble. You're not just talented, you're kind. And you know how many articles I've written or I've read about the, 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 the jerk engineer who's brilliant but mean? What makes you different is that you have skills, but you have character too. What makes you different is that you're humble and you have the Holy Spirit. God does, does not want you to do influence in these four walls. He wants you out doing influence in the marketplace. That you have such an impact. Even after you're gone, they're still talking about you. The same way that Daniel had influence, God wants to do that with you. But you're never going to have public faith until you first do it in private. Daniel chose in his heart, no matter the cost, no matter the, the price, I'm not. And it started not when he was 20. It started when he was 13. The king gets angry, turns the heat up, says, we're throwing these boys in. Now I got to tell you right now, if you are feeling the presence of God, God's speaking to you, I need to change this in my life. I need to change, I, I'm telling you, the moment you walk out, the devil's gonna come after you. Because the moment you decide in this room, privately, I'm living for God, out there publicly, Satan's coming for you. When you say, I wanna live a pure life, is when she goes, hola papi, bang, bang, where are you at? It's the moment you say, I don't want to smoke weed anymore. Your friend goes, I got five on it. There's a party tonight. Let's go. The moment you say, I'm putting God first in my life is when your friends text you, don't go to church, don't be weird, don't be fanatical. Let's go. It always works that way. Even in the Bible, Jonah is told to go to Nineveh. What does he do? He goes 3,000 miles in the opposite direction. Because every time you have a door of obedience, there's a highway to disobedience as well. Faith is not made in the ring. It's discovered in the ring. It's made in the gym. And if you want to have public faith out there, you have private faith in here first. Bold faith has three things. Number three is this. Bold faith is always tested with fire. 1 Corinthians 3. It says, but on the judgment day, fire. Someone say Fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Some of you are still surprised that God tests you. A faith that has not been tested is a faith that can't be trusted. Stop being surprised that God tests you because he needs to test you. The same way that you need to refine gold with fire to get the impurities out, God needs to refine your character. Get the bat, how? With fire. You should thank God for the fire instead of being surprised by the fire. Fire is an indication that he loves you, that he's got something greater for you. You can't have bold faith without fire. King Nebuchadnezzar turns the heat up seven times. The Bible says that they are bound and the strongest men take Daniel, Shadrach, Mishnah, and Abednego towards the furnace. And I didn't read it, but on the way there, 
these strong men die. Isn't that a picture of the gospel? That no weapon formed against you shall prosper. The very thing that Satan thought would destroy the gospel, destroy the work of God. God died on Friday. He thought it was done. But he resurrected on Sunday. That's the gospel. That is a death. What looked like a setback was a setup. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're, they're walking with humility. They're walking with faith. They're walking as 20-year-old men, outnumbered. How are they doing this? They know who they are in Christ. They know their identity. See, the world wants to label you ugly, fat, not good enough. Your past is too big. And if you're not careful, you will carry those labels and they will become your identity. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those are not their real names. Those are their Babylonian names. Their real names are Yahweh is my savior. Yahweh is my strength. Who is like Yahweh? Their Babylonian names are declaring who this false God is. My question for you is, what's your identity? Who, how do you describe yourself? Do you do it with your degree? Do you say I'm an engineer? I'm a techie? Or is your identity, I'm a child the way you describe yourself is going to determine where you, where you go. Let me read you this statistic. It's crazy. I was studying. I realized this. There have been 900, 900 Nobel Prize winners in the last 100 years. 180 of them are Jewish. How does that happen? You say, oh, maybe there's like, like spirituality, like if there's a spiritual reason that the Jews are God's chosen people. Yes, but it's even practical, not, not everything's spiritual. There's also a practical reason that every Jew from the age of six has to memorize Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and they are memorizing who God is and his character and his goodness and his faithfulness, and they are repeating over themselves, I am chosen, I am loved, I am I'm called, I'm anointed, I'm chosen for this generation. Every day that they know, do you know that you're chosen? Do you know that you're called? How do you describe yourself? What labels do you use? Do you use God's labels or do you use the world's? Daniel never once in the book of Daniel ever called himself by his Babylonian names. Only chooses to use his God-given name. That's why you're a part of our dream team. If you're part of our dream team, make some noise. We had this thing called our leadership motto. Repeat after me, I'm a leader. I'm a person of influence. I was born for such a time as this. With God's help, there's nothing I cannot do. God loves me. God's for me. He's got my back. Everybody said, do you know why I have you say that? You don't believe it. You don't believe it. So I'm hoping you say it over and over and over again like the great Shema, and one day you will realize I am a leader. I can't influence my friends. I can't influence this generation. I am just like Daniel. As dark as Silicon Valley as God can use me. And he loves me and he's for me. The testing is not God abandoning me. The testing is that he's refining me. Nebuchadnezzar, he's throwing Daniel in the fire. He's like, yeah. He's definitely a Lakers fan because he's always talking trash. 
always cheering too soon. And the Bible says that the, the ropes that are on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they burn off. When you are refined by fire, your addictions are broken in Jesus' name. The things that are holding you back. You know, it's crazy. Is this whole time, there's never the name of Jesus. God's name is never mentioned as being active and present in the room. God's name is never, where is God? Where is he going to rescue him? Sometimes in the deepest, darkest valleys, you wonder, God, why am I suffering? Why am I going through so much? You need to write this phrase down because it's going to help you. When life heats up, that's when Jesus shows up. Because in the furnace, there were not three men, but four. And Nebuchadnezzar says that fourth man looks like the Son of God. Because he was, homie. When life gets hardest, that's when Jesus gets closest. When you think you're all alone is when you realize he's always been there. So your work is hard, cool, invite Jesus. Your family's crazy, cool, invite Jesus. Because when life heats up, that's when Jesus shows up. Let me read you this verse in Isaiah. It says, when you, when you walk through waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the rivers, guess what? They will not sweep you away. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. Because your God is with you. Trying to hype some people up. Trying to inspire some Christians who are living shy, who are living in timid, maybe ashamed of the gospel. God's not ashamed of you. And he was willing to die. Listen, he died naked on a cross, publicly embarrassed so that you could be loved. So that he received condemnation so that you could receive blessing. He received death so that you could receive life. He received rejection so that you could be embraced, loved, called, anointed, and given a second chance. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And it happens when Christians stand up knowing they don't have the talent to change the valley. But they got a tribe. That's why you need a group. When you make that private commitment, and you want to show it in public, when you do the little things, that's when you start doing the big things. That's why you got to get on a team and serve. You activate your faith. And when you want to walk away, fire of life is burning you. That's when Jesus shows up. I can get everyone to stand. I want to pray for you. Because there is a calling on your life. And it's a joy of mine to activate that calling. To push you out of your comfort and into your calling. Can every eye closed and your head bowed, I pray for every person, Jesus, I can hear the sound of my voice. You have a plan, a purpose, a calling for every single one to love, to influence, to to be a light, to be the salt of the world, to be a city on a hill. There are siblings, God. There are co-workers, God. There are family members, God. There are neighbors, God, that are applying pressure on them to compromise their faith. God, give them the resolve to be unrelenting, God, give them the courage to obey even when they're the only one. God, if you can use Daniel, a 13-year-old boy, you can use us. If you can use Daniel in a pagan culture, you can use us in a techie culture. 
do you feel that, that the desire that God's been speaking to you and you want to live different? Maybe this, this collection of talks has been challenging you to live a little bit different with every eye closed, with every head bowed, and you feel like God wants you to stand up in your sphere of influence differently after today. You should be willing to raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you. I just believe that there are Christians in the room. Amen. You put your hand down. Let me pray. God, I pray for those that raise their hand, Jesus. Would you remind them, God? That if we just say yes, if we do the simple things, you could do the miraculous. God, if we just obey, it opens the door to the extraordinary. And there are others of you, you put your hands down. Those of you, you never knew the gospel. You never knew the good news that God left heaven to die for you. If that's you tonight. You want to start a relationship with the living God. And you never prayed that prayer. And you want to start a relationship with Jesus with every eye closed every head bowed, I would love to help you begin that journey. Just raise your hand and say, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Amen. Pray this prayer with me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, that even though I was perfect, you were. Jesus, I repent of my sin. I turn from my ways. I want to follow you. I want to love you. I want to obey you. Thank you, God, that you were not just able, but you were willing to die for me. Thank you that you wanted me and loved me with an everlasting love. Would you fill me with your spirit, Lord? And everybody said, Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.